0: Hi everyone, my name is Melissa, the host of the Mummy Warriors podcast. This podcast is based on topics that go on behind the world of parenting. Speaking of the unspoken, I upload an episode once a week on a Tuesday with a new topic every single week. I look forward to you tuning in. and welcome back to the mummy warriors podcast today i'm joined by dina dina thank you so much for joining me today of course thank you for having me i'm so excited thank you so tell our listeners a little bit about yourself uh my name is dina
1: i will not share my last name because it's so complicated and people could never understand it uh i have a podcast called False Expectations. You can find it anywhere you listen to a podcast. It's on Apple and Spotify, but if you just Google it, you'll be able to pick it up. Um, I launched this podcast in the beginning of January, 2021, but it stemmed from a blog that I had launched in 2018, uh, also called false expectations.com. You can definitely go search for it, but I haven't updated it in a very long time. And once we sort of dive into my story, you'll understand why. Um, but I'm excited to start
0: sharing it with you guys and your listeners today. Perfect. So Dina, would you like to share your story with our listeners and tell us a little bit about what you've been through with your son and so forth?
1: Sure. So back in 2017, my son um, w- was diagnosed with leukemia and it actually happened the day, di- like he was diagnosed the day before Thanksgiving. So now like for the rest of our lives, Thanksgiving will not be the happiest of times. Right. Um And I think that you'll hear, um, my voice in this conversation sound a little bit uplifted because, um, my son just completed his, his three plus years of chemotherapy like two weeks ago. So I'm in a higher point, um, but he was diagnosed and it was just a complete shock. And I will say, um, there were signs leading up to his diagnosis. And so some of the signs were like, he had fevers, he throwing up a lot, he, his appetite was a little bit off. Mm -hmm. And, and so we pushed for him to have blood work done. And when he was getting his blood work, like when we were waiting for the blood results to come back, I was like, every the worst thing that you could possibly think was just in the back of my head. And so I I thought that he, I was just assuming that he had Hodgkin's or something like that because of all the symptoms. Um, And my husband was kind of like, why, let's not go to this negative space. Like, let's see what happens first. Mm -hmm. Um, And it ended up to be that he had a certain form of leukemia called T cell ALL and right. what comes along with that cancer. So leukemia is a cancer, a blood cancer. Um, but with this T cell, which is a little bit more rare, um, you form a mass in your chest and so it causes breathing problems. And so he was also struggling. His whole left lung was Um, basically unusable it was just completely shocking and it turns your entire world completely upside down I could imagine yeah it was it's really horrible and it's something that you don't think will ever happen to you like everything bad in the world you always assume like that's not going to happen to you until it happens to you
0: right right I get I get that Um. so I could imagine how shocked you were what are the misconceptions of childhood cancer
1: i will say first of all and i'm not saying this to scare an audience or to scare anybody but the bottom line is it can happen to anybody it doesn't matter how healthy or unhealthy you think you are my son was diagnosed at six he was the most athletic healthy rambunctious boy um and so It can happen to anybody. And that's the thing that stinks the most about all cancers. The second thing is that uh, you have sort of an image of what cancer looks like. And I'm not going to say that the way that it's portrayed in media and wherever you sort of see cancer is wrong. I understand why it's portrayed that way, but Mm -hmm. not every cancer patient is bald. Right. Not every cancer patient loses their hair. Um, it depends on the medicine that you're taking. It depends on a lot of things. Another misconception that I had Jackson did, my son's name's Jackson, he did end up losing his hair, but like not for the entire time. So that's right. another thing. So, some also, some cancers you go through treatment for like six weeks or eight weeks, other cancers you go through treatment for six months other cancers, like in our situation, he went through for three and a half years. Um, and that's a long time. Very long time. Yeah. And I remember in the beginning, someone had said like, oh, this is going to like become your new normal. And that's definitely not something that you want. You don't want your new normal to be, um, seeing your child suffer. And that's another misconception is that there's constant weakness there's constant nausea there's constant um like you can't always see the effects of the cancer so like for the last two years of Jackson's life um if somebody saw him outside they would never assume that he was undergoing chemotherapy he had his hair he looked like a normal kid but for me and my husband we saw that he just wasn't the same kid that um he was before Um, and the, the, the last misconception that I'll just touch on is that it's the cancer that sort of breaks the person, but it's actually the chemotherapy that breaks. That's what causes all of the horrible side effects. It's not the cancer. Mm -hmm. Um, and so that was like a big learning curve for me.
0: Did you, was you aware of, um, like cancer before you went through this journey? Like, did you know much about it? Or was it literally as this journey started, that's when you started to get more informed about cancers and, and chemo and so forth?
1: A hundred percent. This was my learning experience.
0: Another quick question I had was um the years of chemotherapy, is that to cure the cancer, like to kill it completely? Is mm-hmm. it, that's the actual journey of trying to actually make the ha- the cancer go away.
1: For leukemia specifically, um, the reason why the treatment is so long is because it's a really well-known cancer. It's been around for a very long time. They've been able to do lots of testing and evolution of uh, treatment for normally leukemia happens in children. It does happen for adults as well, but it's been around for so long that they've been able to do so much. um, uh, They they just are able to learn so much, right? They've been able to do trials and um, fix things and understand what works and doesn't work. And so they know that you go through these intense periods but if you stop it the cancer will come back and right. so they f- they f- figured out you know if we do x y and z for this amount of years the survival rate is like x percentage higher than if you were to stop so i think that the cancer get depending on the case the cancer is sort of killed at the onset from the chemotherapy and then the treatment that happens for years on is sort of treating and training your body how to make sure this doesn't happen again.
0: Right and I'm pretty sure obviously the journey for your son must have been very very hard and taken a toll on his sort of life with school and friends and what what does how does he perceive how did he perceive the journey what was his journey like um through it
1: that's such an interesting question I think for me the biggest the 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 most awesome thing that I saw from this was that my son is pretty awesome um Mm -hmm. and like from the second that we checked into the hospital he didn't question anything he didn't say no to anything he didn't scream he didn't whine unless it was warranted so like if there was something extremely painful like obviously he would cry but he never was like i don't want to do this anymore i don't he just was like whatever you got to do do it and we were upfront with him from the beginning i would say in the first year so he was diagnosed at six um cancer was his life like the first 10 months of treatment is very, very intense. And so he was very weak. He was very sick. Um, Your immune system is like basically non-existent. And so we had to kind of keep him in a bubble, but I, but his school did a very good job of, he wasn't allowed to go to school, but his teacher came to our house and taught him instead. And he before this whole pandemic happened, he was like zooming in to the classroom from time to time. So his classmates could see him Uh, when he started, when there were days when he was feeling okay, we would go visit his class. Uh, He still played baseball whenever he could, when he felt like he, you know, was strong Mm -hmm. enough to. Mm -hmm. He formed a really good friendship uh before he was diagnosed and this child like maintained a friendship with him before he was sick he never had a device he never played a video game he never did any of that and uh something that comes along with cancer is charity a lot of charity which is a very humbling and strange experience so he was like showered with devices And we realized that there are many a day when you're getting treatment for like eight hours or you're in the hospital for eight hours because you have to get blood transfusion, which sometimes lasts three hours and you're getting, it just, it depends. And so having a device is really helpful because the Mm -hmm. child can't go anywhere. So he started FaceTiming his friends a lot in that time. Interestingly, and he was very, we're very transparent with him. Right. And so we would tell him a lot, well, this is happening because your medicine is causing X, Y, and Z. Uh, and so when he was able to go back to school, if kids were mean to him because he looked different or whatever, because something else that happens is you fluctuate in your weight. So mm-hmm. sometimes you're very skinny and frail, and then sometimes you look a little bit chubbier. Mm-hmm. Uh, you lose your hair but then some grows back but some doesn't so it's just it's different for a kid right so, so he like had the strength to go back to a kid and say well I'm on this medicine and that's why this is happening and then the kids would sort of like shut down and it none of it was malicious like children are curious and they have questions um But interestingly, when we moved, we had to move recently because of the pandemic and he had to start going to a new school and we had to tell the school his situation. And he did not want to tell the class his situation because he said he didn't want to be the cancer kid anymore. And I thought that was interesting from like six years old to 10 years old, just the difference in like. He he,
0: kind of wanted to like start a new life, right? Right. I can, I, kind of get that because obviously, just naturally, it's going to be a topic of conversation. And because he's probably been through it for so long, he probably don't want to talk about it anymore. Just wants to be seen as a regular kid who's totally. With saying that, I wanted to also. I know we discussed this in a pre-podcast meeting. I wanted to touch on the charity aspect of cancer. What's your views on how they support um, kids that have cancer?
1: Yeah, I will say that I never thought that we would be a family who would be taking in charity. I had I was always a working we. You know we're a two. I work and my husband works. We've always worked for Jackson's entire life. We've never wanted for anything. We don't, we're lucky enough to have a roof over our heads and food on the table. Uh, We only have one child. So um, all of our time was dedicated to Jackson, especially during this time. And so like charity was being thrown at us a lot. Somebody set up a GoFundMe for us, some Mm -hmm. accounts. Um, There's charities like within the hospitals that really um, sort of rally around families. And give them, like I said, devices for the kids. They do a lot for the kids. Um, there's food banks and there's gift cards and there's, you know, Jackson would be invited to a lot of events and it's a really hot for me. I'm very prideful and I don't like, I don't like help. Mm -hmm. Um, I'll talk about that in a different way in a little bit, but I don't ask for help. I don't like to. I like to be kind of known for just being able to handle it all and like, we don't need help. You realize that they do this kind of stuff because your kid does feel crummy. I think when you're six, You don't really know how to voice exactly how you're feeling, but you're not feeling like a normal six-year-old should feel. So isn't it nice that you get to go to a football game and potentially meet an NFL player? Yeah, that's a really nice thing because maybe that'll make you smile for the day. Maybe you haven't smiled in two days. It was a really hard thing for me to wrap my head around. And then there's another side to it, which is, so Jackson would be invited to go to some of these really cool events. And, but, and I get both sides of it because I work in the marketing field, but it's kind of like they're giving your child this thing that's going to make them happy. Also are kind of capitalizing on your unfortunate situation. So that they can get more money, which they need in order to, for the charity to survive, to help families in need. So like double-edged sword, but there were moments for me where I would see pictures or videos of Jackson kind of being used in order for the charity to create right. a And so that kind of stuff was hard. Both were hard. It's hard to accept charity. It's hard and it's strange
0: yeah no I get that and obviously you it would also in some ways create a little frustration in me if I was in your shoes if my child is you know being used as a part of you know yeah yeah we're moms so it, you know we're gonna see it a, a little different than yeah
1: it's like a protection thing but exactly. like you, but you really understand why they're doing it like I it's not a malicious thing they're not like oh let's take this cancer kid and just like throw them in your face but <laughs> yeah you
0: know, no, I, I get it. I completely get it. Which also I wanted to touch on the support aspect. What support did you get? Um, what support was you kind of looking for? What mm. didn't you want? Because I know everybody's different. So you've mm-hmm. got some people that they don't want you to bring it up or talk about it. And then you've got some people, as soon as they enter the room, they rather it just be spoken about and, and rather than pussyfooting around the actual topic. So yeah. for you. What, what did your support look like?
1: That's interesting. So I mentioned before that I don't like to ask for help, right. which I don't. But I also, and so I come across, especially to my friend groups, like a person who doesn't need help and also like a person who would be offended. I think I come across as a person who would be offended if somebody helped me. And so because of that sort of persona that I potentially um, put off into the ether, I think a lot of people were unsure about how to support and how to show me support. Now, that's not to say that they weren't supportive. It was just, I think it was a very hard emotional game for me to play with myself. And so I think something that lacks just in general, not specifically around cancer is when you're a caretaker for somebody, people get pe- your, your circle sort of don't know necessarily how to help. I think the first thing that people always do is they go to food. They're yeah, like, <laughs> We're going to give you food. Like every, somebody's going to make you dinner every single night, blah, 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 blah. And that's so nice, but sometimes food is like, it's too much. Yeah. Um, some, like there were a lot of amazing things that we were given from friend circles, like gift cards to Starbucks, because we would spend nights in the hospital and like, we couldn't leave and that was awesome. And, you know, Grubhub gift cards when we were in the hospital, super helpful. But I think in terms of just like emotional support, I think people tend to shy away from that. I actually started spacing myself away from a couple of friends because I did not feel supported by them. And I wonder if people, and I can totally get, understand this happening. People who sort of see themselves in you, like, oh, Dina's married and she has a a family and I'm married and I have a family when they see something sort of traumatic happen to that person that they has like a similar lifestyle they get scared and they're like oh my god that could happen to me and they sort of um shrink away yeah and although I understand that that was a really upsetting for me to see in some of my friendship circles uh I also think that as a caretaker, especially when it's your child who you're just seeing suffer, which is something you never want to see, your head is filled with so much, so many thoughts and emotions that you just can't, you just can't fully function. And so the idea that like, oh my God, I have to clean my house today. I have to cook dinner. I have to do laundry. I have to fold laundry. I have to go grocery shopping. I think those kind of everyday things are helpful support for people to just do on your behalf. So like if somebody came over to my, if somebody was like, Dina, give me the key to your apartment. I'm coming over to do do your laundry today. That would have been mind blowing for me. Right, right. Somebody actually gifted us uh, a cleaning person, like once a month for a year. That was I've never in my life paid for someone to clean my house. Right. That was a game changer because I never had to think about oh my god I have to do a deep clean today. Like some like just the fact that that was handled was amazing. Um, so those kind of everyday tasks that you don't think about, taking that off of somebody's Plate, I think, is just you don't think of doing that kind of stuff because, in a way, it sort of maybe feels like you're overstepping, is super helpful. And I also think just checking in nowadays, we don't really talk on the phone (laughs) anymore. No, uh, (laughs) and like I'm fine with that, but a simple if you text if somebody's going through something and you just text them like thinking about you, anytime I got a text like that, that was. So it was just very helpful for my
0: psyche. Right. I get that completely. I'm kind of similar to where like, I'm not really emotional and I Mm. don't want people to feel sorry for me or be emotional. But a key point that you made was because I didn't even think about that someone cleaning your home takes a lot off your shoulders because mm-hmm. obviously you're consumed with number one, your, your mind is thinking constantly about your baby mm-hmm. and how he's doing. And obviously you have a husband and you've got a cook and then, you know, when, again, we're mothers, we have many hats to wear. So mm-hmm. someone taking that hat rather than, you know, giving you food or money or, or experiences, it, it that would be better than um, those sort of material things. Um, I never actually thought of it like that at all, but um, obviously you've been through the experience and it's obviously, I think beneficial for some of our listeners as well. Yeah. um, Who may know someone who's going through something like that, they can say, okay, well that's fair enough, you Mm -hmm. know, because Mm -hmm. there is always that line that you don't want to step over, Mm -hmm. but at the same time, Um, shunning away from that can be quite abandoning I suppose as well and not speaking about it or acknowledging it at all you know Mm
1: -hmm. yeah
0: yeah. which leads me to want to go on to a point that we made in a pre-podcast meeting of the evolution of motherhood um what did that look like for you
1: yeah I think I mentioned this to you in our call it's like it's so interesting actually as you age um what you consider a baby to be so like for instance I look at an 18 year old person and I'm like you are a baby like you (laughs) are a baby uh but yet when I was 18 I thought that you know I knew everything about the world obviously so you know I consider a six-year-old like you're still a baby like I even look at pictures of Jackson from six to now and I'm like two completely different kids. But so I I would cry often because I would think that I missed out on like two baby years. Like I missed out because he so when I talk about the evolution like he evolved in like months. Like he right. went from quote unquote a baby to just like a full-on responsible, respectable kid. Like, and so the parenting stopped, like the parenting just completely shifted. It was like, um, and, and I'm, I feel like I missed that step of like preparing to transition into like a, an older kid. And that makes me feel sad a lot of times. Um, But then, you know, it's not like I lost those years. He was still there. It was just parenting differently. And I actually think that and I don't know if this is true, and I'll never know if it was true, but that I became a different kind of mom, because he's my only kid. He's now sick. And like the protection and the shielding of every little thing. Uh, it makes sense when you're in the heat of it and you're in the moment of like taking care of this kid who's going through something so terrible. Um, But now I wonder how that's going to change. Like, am I going to be a helicopter mom now for the rest of his life? Because I like need to protect him. Uh, I know that I definitely baby him. I baby him more than my husband babies him for sure. Mm -hmm. Uh, Like, he'll say something like, can I have a yogurt? And I'm like, yeah. And I'll go get it for him. And my husband's like, he can get it. He could walk to the fridge and (laughs) get a yogurt. I'm like, right. You're right. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. And I, like I said, we're very honest with Jackson. We're very transparent. So I don't know what kind of, and we're very lax. That doesn't mean that he doesn't have rules, but like we're just very chill kind of parents and I don't know how this more protective mom that I am right now might be different
0: if he never got sick. Right. Right. And so So I'm like scared of that. Right. So basically it changed the course of your your motherhood in in terms of the the the, Yeah, I, I mean I get it. I completely get it. Do you think that it's something that will be continuous like forever or do you think that as he gets older and more independent that you'll be able to kind of like not close the chapter and just forget about it because obviously this is something that's changed your family's life but it'd be something more to look back on as a memory rather than something that you went through on a, a on a daily basis
1: Oh, I hope so. I will say that the like post-cancer, there's like a lot of checkups that happen for like years. Uh So we're not necessarily going to forget it, but I do think I'm going to have to learn how to mother an actual 10-year-old versus somebody who's less independent because he's a 10-year-old. Like I sometimes still pick out his clothes for him. And I don't think I'm
0: supposed to do that anymore with a (laughs) (laughs) 10-year-old. Right, right. I get it. Um, Do you think that when he obviously reaches the age where he's going to be moving out and getting married and starting his own life, Mm -hmm. do you think that he has gained his own tools through this experience that – would help him be a stronger person um, outside of cancer.
1: Yeah, we talked to Jackson about that a lot throughout the whole journey, which is making sure that you are really taking this in. Like you are going through something, you're fighting something, you're using just different skills that any normal six, seven, eight, nine, 10 year old is would use. You are and you're strong and you have to be appreciative. Like we talked to him about being grateful and appreciative, especially of the medical team that like, you know, basically saved his life. Um, and how to like, um, I forgot what the phrase is, but give it forward. Like Uh this happened to you. Now go make sure that you are doing this for other people and, Uh you know, going back to the hospital and giving your time because you know what that's like. Uh Um, And I think that that will only make him a stronger and potentially a better man. Yeah, I agree. I completely
0: agree. Um, I'm so happy that you've, reach to the end of the road and yeah you know it's it's unless I could only but imagine the journey and what that journey looked like but the fact Mm -hmm. that you're still solid together as a family says a lot really um because it as you know it's hard I I would assume especially I don't want to take anything away from fathers or dads but i in my own opinion and my own perspective, I just think it would be a lot different for a mother because we carry them and we give birth to them. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we, we nurture them. We, we felt their first movement in our stomach and it's just a lot different, um, which obviously is nevertheless of what the, what dads go through or what your husband went through, but I could only just imagine you had to, find strength in places you probably never thought you you had strength to go through this journey
1: yeah I will also say that um something that somebody told me early on is that this type of thing can either make or break a relationship and Mm -hmm. so I'm very lucky that I had somebody who we were like in step with each other the entire way And when the other person was too emotional, the other person had the strength. And so, um, yeah, it's, it's something that I don't wish on anybody. But I will say that going through adversity does something to everybody. And so I am definitely more compassionate and empathetic when I'm hearing about other people going through things that I've never gone through, which I unfortunately feel like i wasn't before this mm-hmm. um and i think you know this is horrible and i never want it to happen again but we will definitely come out stronger on the other
0: side definitely dina i want to say thank you so much for joining today and i want our listeners to check out your podcast um what what was um what type of thing would we be hearing on the actual podcast
1: Oh yeah. So false expectations is basically like, you know, the thing on Instagram now where people are like Instagram versus reality and you see one picture of what you expect it to be and then what it actually is. That's what false expectations is. It's when life doesn't turn out as you expected. And we touch on each week, we touch on a topic that is a life's expectation. So adulting, relationships, parenting, um, just basic life stuff, what Mm -hmm. you thought it was going to be like versus um, what it was like, what it actually is like. And we are starting to bring on experts to help us have different types of conversations. So uh, I hope that you guys, after you listen to this, go listen to False Expectations. I know not everybody has millions of hours um, to just sit and listen, but I hope that you
0: do. I definitely will. I like that. (laughs) But thank you so much again for your time, Dina. I will make sure to include all of your information in the description of this podcast. And it has been a pleasure having you today. Same. Thank you for having me. Thank you for joining this week's episode. Please feel free to subscribe. You can also leave a comment. I would love to hear what your points of views are. You can also follow me on Instagram at mummy warriors. And you can also have a chance to be a guest on the show by visiting my website, www.themummywarriors.com. All details will be at the bottom of the podcast. Look forward to seeing you next week.